0: To the podcast from the Sunday night service at New Life Church. The Sunday night
1: service reflects a desire to be rooted in the historic expressions of faith while engaging God with our whole being in the world today. For more information on New Life Church, you can visit our website at newlifechurch.org. So again, tonight we have uh, another speaker, and I want to say just a couple words about him. Um, in 97, I was in Texas and gathered a group of kids, and I went to a function, and uh, the first speaker that night that we had, some guy got up on stage, and just was, <laughs> he was on fire, slash, he was, this guy was practically foaming at the mouth. He was incredibly passionate. He was full of zeal, and I sat there with my kids, and I thought, man, like, I, I don't know that I've ever heard the message of Jesus is preaching from somebody in in, in this demographic, full of fire, full of life, like this guy is. And so, yeah, you you know what I'm talking about with David Perkins, but um, we were just like, wow, who is this guy? I don't know. But we sent off for all his tapes and everything and, you know, listened to him or the youth group. And some some 10, 12 years later, um, had the incredible privilege of working with David together here at New Life Church. And um, I want to say one more thing about him because um, something I love about David and Renata Perkins is that um, we as Christians, we champion the ideas of prayer. We all agree that it's a good thing. We all say it's good. We love it. We're fully in support of you. But when the rubber meets the road and it comes time to actually pray, there's very few people that are really doing it. And so David and Renata have been uh, a couple that has not just talked about it, not just rallied for it, but have really gotten in and spent the hours and built the relationships and committed their lives to helping young people develop a passionate love language in life for Jesus Christ. And I don't know if you've ever stepped in the back of a furnace prayer meeting before and experienced some of what I'm talking about, uh, but if, if you haven't, some night go around six, seven o'clock into the World Prayer Center when they're having a meeting and just slip in there and, and see the way that those people pray. And that they pray out of an overflow of the life that they're learning to live. And, and that's uh, largely in part because of what David and Renata have done to help create that. And so uh, I just wanted to say that and say uh, that David and Renata are truly some of the most wonderful people in the world. It's a pleasure to get to hear from them again tonight. We love them. We consider them some of our best friends. Would you please help me welcome David Perkins?
0: Wow. Joe, you almost brought me to tears, man. Well, give a shout out for Joseph Couch. He did a good job tonight as well, don't you think? Come on now. Come on, those of you in the back, shout it out for Joe. We are uh, in a. Joe and I are are buzz, longtime buzz, 1997. That was 13 years ago, brother. Um, We are starting a new series here. So we're starting the series called Treasure. We just concluded a series uh, where we talked about vision. And uh, last week was our last week of that, and then starting tonight, uh, we're starting a new series where we're talking a little bit about how, where our treasure is, and so I'm going to do the first week of that tonight, and uh, excited to be with you, excited and privileged, honored uh, to do that. And So I want to start by reading out of 1 Timothy chapter 6. Of course, you guys that come to Sunday night are addicted to the Bible, because we've done Old Testament, New Testament, Nicene Creed, Lord's Prayer... My ter- it's my turn to read the Bible. I don't know if I have anything to do. So anyway, uh, we've actually already read this. I'm going to give it to you again, and uh, you guys are just addicted to the scriptures, which I love. It's fantastic. It felt like I was in my uh, well. Anyway, my old college. We read Nicene Creed every week, so it's very cool. A little uh, little sentimental there. First Timothy chapter six. Let's read this. Paul speaking here to Timothy. We know that Paul, in his latter years, speaking to a young man. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. People who want to get rich fall in temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men to ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the, truth, from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Command those who are rich in this present world Not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. But to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure, that's the name of our series, in this way they will lay lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus, committed to be Christ followers, committed to live out what is requested of us, to live out truly what is the good life in Christ, to live out the biblical principles that we find. God, in this age where we live in a, an age where money is so glorified, in a culture where money is so esteemed, we ask that you would help us to live right, we pray that you would help us to take these truths, may they not be philosophical or theoretical, but may they be our story, may they be our confession, may they demonstrate, May may they be demonstrated in our lives, Jesus. We love you. We honor you. And everybody said amen. amen. Come on. I'm the youth pastor. Everybody said amen. amen. That's good. That's good. All right. This week, I, uh, I'm, I'm a Twitter guy. I like, I like to tweet. It's awkward to say, but uh, I like the Twitter thing. And uh, so I was reading some tweets, and this youth pastor from Texas, who's a friend of mine, had a tweet on there, and it said, I just sold three guns to buy this. And then it's a picture, and so you get to choose if you're going to take the, you know, the 10 seconds to let it download to see if you want to see the picture. And I just couldn't resist, because I had to see what my friend is selling his guns for. I've never owned a gun. Uh, In fact, that whole concept is strange to me, actually. I'm like the opposite of the gun-carrying kind of person. And and so I'd like to pack one day, but I'm not there yet. I'll grow into that one day. Um, But I, I decided to check out what it was. And it was a picture, lo and behold, right there in his car, he had a picture of an iPad, which I don't know if you know, but that's like the new and improved hot rock star above an iPod, less than an iBook, and it's another way to get you to spend money, is really what it is. And uh, I saw it, and I just, I just thought, cool, huh. So I had this little excitement inside of me, and I thought, oh, that's kind of cool, and I went out with a youth pastor this week from Kansas City. We were sitting over here at Champs, and he was telling me about what God's doing in his youth ministry. And we were talking about strategy and prayer and the whole thing. And and he said, David, there's a new strategy. you got to do it. And I said, what is it? And he said, you got to preach from an iPad. And I was like, bro. I just got tempted with that 24 hours ago on Twitter. And uh, resisted it successfully. And then was headed to a coffee meeting. And as I was heading to my coffee meeting, there, right in front of me in the Briar Gate shops, you know what I'm talking about. There it is. It's the Mac store. And I just, I, I, I mean, I couldn't resist. I went in, I walked in, I held this I, iPad in my hands. And uh, as a result of uh, American culture, there I was, had a decision to make. Luckily, I walked away, did not buy the iPad yet. And, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and it's so interesting because, you know, it's this goofy little thing. That, yeah, I found it so intriguing to me. Just in one week, I, 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 I found myself, you know, wanting it. And I think when we start to talk about being content or but godliness with contentment is of great gain, we know that we ought to live that way and yet we live in American culture where All around us, we live in literally the most marketed culture in history. I mean, we have everything from on on our phones to computers to radio to billboards as we drive by to hours of television that people listen to to however many hours people spend on the internet and there's consumerism everywhere. And obviously our entire economy is built upon marketing products to you. And so we've got it all around us and we're all committed to being Christ followers. We're all committed to following Jesus with all that we have. Yet, we cannot escape the reality that we have this consumerism all around us, marketing all around us, and truthfully, if we're honest, we know that materialism grips our culture. And so we find ourselves in this dilemma where we're wanting to walk out what Christ would walk out. We're trying to walk out what Jesus would call us to live right here, right now, in probably the wealthiest culture in history. I mean, we all know, anybody that's traveled around the world knows that our culture here, those that are the uh, Lower middle class, or even the poor of America, are by far and away wealthy compared to many around the world. And so I've been leading mission trips since I've been here at New Life, last 10 years or so, and I've been to so many different places, and every time you go overseas, that gets re-ingrained inside of you. You see it over and over and over and over again, and and so you, you lock in with that reality, but yet then you live every day in a culture where it's all around us. And all of us know this is a real battle in all of our lives. All of us know that we want desperately to follow Jesus. We want desperately to carry out what Jesus has called us to. And, and the truth is, is that there's lots of confusion on it because, some, because everybody's all over the map on how they spend their dollars, their resources. And I want to talk to you tonight about one principle, this principle of being content. Because I don't want to talk specifics about how much is too much to spend or how much is you know, how much we should live on and those things. Those are things that between you and Jesus, I believe you need to figure out. But I do believe, I do believe that at the core, every single one of us want to demonstrate with our possessions, with what we have, the stuff, the stuff that we've got. We want to live this out in a Christ-like way. All of our heroes is Paul. You know, he's one of the ones that we read two-thirds of the New Testament is written by Paul. And so obviously we like to listen to what Paul has to say. And I want to read out of Paul. Paul, when he writes here, this is Philippians 4, Paul's in a Roman prison. He says this, verse 11. He says, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content. Say content. I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. In fact, he says, I know what it is to be in need. And I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation." read that again. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every. In any and every. That's a lot of situations. That just about sums up all of them. In any and every. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Whether well fed or hungry. Whether living in plenty or in want. And I can do everything through him who gives me strength. I, that's kind of a funny thing to see. First, Philippians four thirteen, right there, isn't it? I mean, I grew up in a Christian home, and so I grew up actually when, uh, you know around Christian kids a lot. And I heard this verse quoted all the time. This is the number one verse I heard. I mean, there's two verses. Number one was Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. You know, the plans I have, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. And that meant people were going to be you know healthy, healthy, rich, and happy one day. And then everybody else quoted this verse. And these were the, like the go-getters people. These are the people that, you know, like, I heard this verse quote on the basketball court. You know, like, I'm going to be the next Michael Jordan. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I'm going I'm to be, you know, the me- next Bill Gates. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Or I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that. And it was kind of this concept of I can do anything. It's almost like a self-help. I can do it all. And yet, when we really find what's going on here, Paul's talking about in any and every situation, I have found the secret of being content. I can go through anything. It's not, I can be Michael Jordan for Jesus. It's not, I can do anything. I can go out there and I can, I can be great in that kind of way. Instead, it's, I can make it. I can endure it through any situation. I can make it. I found the secret. And I love, I just love the fact that he says secret. Because it is a secret. It is, it is in a sense, in a, not just our culture, but in. Many cultures around the world where consumerism is huge and the love of money, the love of fame, the love of power, the love of stuff, people are seeking it like an engine, just like going after it. Paul says, I, I, I can, I have found this secret. It's this jewel. It's this treasure. So that actually no matter what situation I'm in, I'm okay. So, Paul You're in the situation where people are thinking you're wonderful and he goes, oh, I consider whatever was to my gain loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus. Paul, you're in a a prison for your faith. All right. Give me pen and paper. Let me start writing to some churches. Well, let's chain him up. Chain him next to a prison guard. Okay. Okay. I'll witness to him, it'll be great. Remember my chains. Well, let's kill him. No, no problem. Go ahead, take this thing off to live as Christ, to die as gain, whatever, I'm all right. I found joy. We find in Paul, in an actual contentment, as we read through the epistles, we find in Paul, him living this out. So we know Paul is this great leader. Most of us think mostly on him teaching and his writings. But Paul suffered as well. So when he says that I've, I know what it's like to be without stuff, you know, or to be in want. 2 Corinthians, let me just read this to you. 2 Corinthians 11, 23, it says, Are they servants of Christ? I am out of my mind to talk, this, to talk like this. I am more. I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Three times I was shipwrecked. Three times I was shipwrecked. I was shipwrecked. <laughs> That's miserable. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. Just, just, I know you've heard that in church, but just imagine spending a night and a day in the open sea. All right. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, my own friends, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false brothers. I have labored and toiled and have gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. So when Paul says... Whether well-fed or hungry, he's not talking about just not getting the snack after service. We find in Paul here some real sacrifice for the gospel, and he's saying, well, there's been days where they really esteem me and treat me well as I've taken the gospel to the Gentiles. People want to listen to what I have to say. They listen to me preach. I've, I've been a Pharisee. I've... I've had all the stuff. I mean, top of the top in terms of training. I had the highest education you can get. I've had the good things. And I've had the worst things. I've had nothing. (laughs) A night and a day in the open sea. Naked. That's rough. And he says... So, in any and every, in any and every situation, I have learned the secret of being content. I've been at the top, I've been at the bottom. Even now, as I write to you, I'm in a Roman prison, and I'm speaking of this in the midst of my contentment. And this is, this is the great secret for you and for me as we walk out following Jesus. And God inevitably gives some blessing to us, so... Sometimes we have things and sometimes we don't. The nature of our call as Christ followers is that those things never become idols. Those things never become the things that we're after. We're after Jesus and then we're thankful for the blessings. That's the secret of contentment. This past week I was talking to one of the pastors here at the church. He recently went and visited a, an author. This author is a Christ follower, but also a very successful author in fact he has sold over 17 million books 17 million like if you sell 10,000 you're doing all right if you sell 25,000 then they call you you know a bestseller 100,000 you're really you know really good seller I mean you keep going up and up until you get to 17 million so my friend went to go hang out with this guy The guy invited him to his home. He's a Christian, Christ follower. Loves Jesus with all his heart. Goes to his rural house to a 1,500 square foot home. Lives there with his dad. And uh, so he begins to talk to him and he asks him about it. You know, you've made millions and millions of dollars. I mean, this is nice, but. And he just began to say, I don't need more than this. This is all I need. This is all I need So I give the rest away This is what it means To be a Christ follower And I think I think I was really encouraged by that this week Because you know I don't know I'm I'm in my 30s And I think it was just Encouraging to hear Someone doing it You know just Just love that Just love people that believe this I, I, I like to preach this I like the rally moment but how cool when we see people in our midst that are living it I was in the prayer line this morning praying for um, people that uh, after service you know how we always do the, the prayer team thing and um, prayed for this family they came down they have three teenage sons and they said we just want someone to pray for us because for our family vacation this year we're going to Southeast Asia to serve orphans <laughs> new lifers in our church right here and I thought that they have found a secret. They're t- instead of taking their boys on a cruise, they're taking their boys to go serve in Southeast Asia. There's something inherent in that that goes, I've found the secret and I don't need the stuff. I don't need the big house. I don't need... You know, the fancy vacations. I mean, what you're going to pay to go to Southeast Asia. You could do a lot. You could you could go to really, I mean, like at least three and a half stars in America. You know what I mean? Like maybe four, maybe five. I mean, you could do some stuff. Big vacation. I went over to a pastor's house recently. And a uh, pastor of a big church. Uh, over 3,000 people. And I went over to his house and... He lived in a duplex A couple kids $200 a month rent Very successful I mean very, very, very big church And I just I just I just Asked him He just said My wife and I just Asked what What do we need? How much is enough? What do we need? And we decided This is all we need This is what we need So this is what This is it How long you How long you been doing this? 25 years, something in my heart goes, man, I dig that, I dig that, I love that. Now, and all of us get in this game, money's such a sensitive subject, everybody's got opinions on it. Sometimes it gets weird when you and I start looking at other people and judging other people. That's not my my aim tonight, because sometimes we look at other Christians and Anytime we start to develop a judgment in our heart it gets strange and awkward and all of us are responsible. We're gonna report to Jesus one day about what he's blessed us with and that's really where it ends. But sometimes you see people that you just know there's something pure and awesome going on. Something awesome when someone sells 17 million books and they live in a little house in a rural area when they could live in a big mansion somewhere. That's cool. So the question that you and I want to ask as Christ followers as well is all right? God, what what do you how do you want me to live? Based upon the fact that you've given me everything. And all that I have is from you. Everything that you've given, it's not something that I have. It's not mine. It's all from you. And yet you invite me, you want me to give, you want me to serve. How do you want me to live? That's one of the big questions we're just trying to answer here in this series is, how does God want you to live? How does God, What's God asking of you? What does God want you to do with your stuff? And sometimes hearing stories of other people is encouraging. I'm not, I don't wanna to try to put any formulas. We don't wanna to try to put any formulas. We just wanna ask this question. As you as you try to have Christ be Lord of everything, Christ is the Lord of your words, Christ is the Lord of your heart, of your affections, of your time, of everything that we have. When it comes to your finances, what does it look like? You know, my own journey, I don't necessarily think that for me, my big struggle is has been um, wanting stuff. Uh, I grew up in a family where my father lived, in, Incredibly, kind of anti-materialism. I mean, we, I grew up in a home that was um, just incredibly, incredibly uh, against some of that, and so we didn't have much stuff. And, and there was just something that that got, that was just cool, where that that kind of got into into me. And so that's that's not something that I've that I've really wrestled with as much as you know what has been my struggle. Fear. My struggle hasn't been so much. Hey, I want the stuff. I want to consume as much as okay, if I give, if I give away, if I give stuff away, will I have enough? Will I, me, will I have enough? And I just want you, I don't know if you're like me, maybe, maybe the consumer thing has been a part of your journey. Maybe you're like me where the lie of the enemy, the temptation is, is to hoard th- stuff or whatever because of fear. But let's just listen to the words of Jesus. I just want you to hear this. This is something I have to remind myself of. This is something I wanna just wash my heart with over and over again. Luke 12, just listen, just close your eyes. Just close your eyes. Just listen, this is, this is, this is Jesus talking. Luke twelve twenty two. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, about your body, what you will wear. Life is more than food and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or, bo- or barn. Yet God feeds them. How much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the lilies grow. They do not labor or spend. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. And if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? Do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it, for the pagan runs after such things. And your father knows what you need. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will not be exhausted, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Okay, you can open your eyes here. This is, your father, this is a great, for those of you that tend to walk in this fear. Is there gonna be enough? But if we give this much away, then will we have enough? Your father has all, my father has all. And if he takes care of the lilies, the birds, our God will clothe you, our God, he'll take care of us. One of the things I love to do when I, when I come home after a trip, I have four little kids, um, Dawson's five, Olivia is four, Adeline is two, and Justice is one month. And so um, I've got a lot of kids right there. And my favorite thing to do is to bring home gifts when I come home from a trip. And they're usually all like less than a dollar gifts. You know, they're like whatever you can find at the airport. And (laughs) with a $5 bill. And, And so one of my favorite things though is to just give these gifts. And you know, as a dad, the great feeling is when your child just receives it and says thank you and is excited. The hard part is when they look at the other kid's toy and want their toy. You know, it makes me sad. No, I gave you this. Yeah, but I want that. No. That's not good. Or not only, not just when they're not content, but when they actually take it in this phase when they actually take the other kids stuff and you know the great delight candy is a big thing and I know some of you are anti-sugar and so I apologize and repent right in front of you right now but <laughs> repent to my wife cause I'm always sneaking candy I drank my kids milk today for them anyways bad <laughs> you know it's great but I'll give them I'll I'll, I'll give them I'll give them you know this candy, and the great thing is, is that my son Dawson, he's five, he's, he, he, he loves to share whatever he got, he's got with his sisters. I don't know how this kid turned out to be like born without original sin, but just <laughs> kidding. But this kid is so Christ-like. Like it's amazing. This kid's amazing. And he will often, he'll just share whatever I give him, whatever I give him. He'll, he's always sharing sharing with his sisters. And I take such delight in that. I take such, I mean, I'm so, I'm so proud of him when he does that. I think that's a microcosm of how our father feels about just the salary that you receive. Do we give? Do we compare? Well, well, his truck doesn't have 200,000 miles on it. Well, that house, well, that shirt, well, we gotta pull out of that. Thank you, father. Thank you for what you've given me. I'm blessed. I'm grateful. So, I want to give you three quick things. How do I start to grow in contentment? Number one, start to thank God every day for what you have. I mean this every day. Start to just thank God every day. In my, in my time alone with God, one of the things I do, I do three things where I start with praise. Second is thanksgiving. As Psalm 100 enter into his courts with praise, thanksgiving in our hearts. And if you start to thank God, just daily, if you start to thank God for what he's given you, joy and contentment grows. How can I gain contentment? Start to literally thank God. And it's it's funny, because we're like, that's another one of those things where maybe you're 40, 50, 60 years old and been in the faith for a long time. And it's funny because when we go to church every week, and we hear ideas and we think I want fresh new ideas I've never heard before but that's not really what we're looking for what we're looking for is encouragement to do the old ideas that God's called us to live and so I want to encourage you if you don't thank God if you don't if it's not a part of your life your prayer life to thank God come before him and over time not boom microwave I thanked God today and wow I feel such contentment no but Weeks turn to months and months turn to years, and you'll blink. And a year from now, if you'll thank God, God, daily, thank you. And I know I'm not saying you miss some days, that's fine, but you aim for 100%. You aim for, I want to daily give thanks. I'm going to daily give thanks. You watch as your contentment will grow. The secret of being content will grow in you. Number two, I'm just going to tell you this as an American. Try to decrease your intake of American marketing and increase Christ content. You are marketed to every day with all kinds of, every. I mean, our whole economy is built on, you need the bigger, badder thing. You know, this, this. Your clothes aren't cool enough. Your hair isn't sticky enough. You know, your car isn't fast enough. Your diapers aren't big enough true like whatever is the thing that and that's constantly in our face it's on it's it's constantly around us liquidation liquidation look explosion explosion you gotta be here everything's on set all that that's like we hear that all the time it's all around us radio internet television billboards it's everywhere and though there are some things that are out of your control you got to drive down i25 that's just you get to go to work you got to do it so there you go you endure it you you know you got to there's some things that are unavoidable i get that but as christ followers i think we're we're wise to try to decrease the amount that we take in that's unnecessary so like in my house we don't watch commercials at all just we just don't do commercials so If if we try to DVR everything and don't let our kids watch any commercials so that they don't need the latest Spider-Man toy or so that when we walk into Walmart, it's not like the latest and greatest thing, okay? That's just just one of the things. The only exception is live sports. Then we just go with mute because you can't DVR sports. You kind of see that live, but everything else. And so even like, you know, when, we were wa- when my, my son and I, we were watching the Nuggets game and uh, the second that the commercial started, dad, mute, dad, mute, mute. <laughs> sorry, sorry, <not> right. sorry. <laughs> Gotta mute that. But what I found is that in my own heart, you know, sometimes the clutter of all that stuff, you sh- it, little pieces of it get in. But if we try to get rid of what we can, or, or, or maybe, I don't know how you do radio, but in, m- in my car, I don't do radio. I just, I just don't do it. Uh, I I either listen to sermons or just listen to the Bible on CD. So when my kids get in the car, it's not, hey, can we listen to, you know, whatever the latest Disney pop culture girl is. Instead, it's, hey, where are we at? We're in Job. Oh boy, (laughs) you know. And I know some of you hear that. Anytime, I've noticed, I've been here for 10 years. so I've been a pastor a long time now, I think. It feels like a long time. And, and, And I know every, anytime I start to give practical things, people get all upset. People start to say, hey, that's legalistic. I'm not talking about a mandate that you've got to do these things. I'm just giving you examples. Um, anytime that we post, put some, uh, something out there on people and say, you've got to do this, you have to do this, then that's legalism, right? That's when we say, and all of a sudden, there's a law out there. And that feels bad. That's wrong. All of us eventually reject that. But if we say, hey, all of us are committed to following Christ, All of us believe in the grace of Jesus. And so because of that, here are some things that are personal legalism. Personal legalism. Here's some things that I do. Or you say, here's some things that you do. And it's not to judge the other person, but it's simply to say, this is a decision that I've made. And the intent of it is not to cast condemnation, but the intent of it is to say, here's testimony. It's like when Job says, I've made a covenant with my eyes not to look at a woman lustfully he's going, there's some personal legalism right here. I'm, I got an internal covenant. I, I, I'm going to make, this is my, my personal legalism. And I, I encourage you, have some personal law. You don't inflict it on other people. But as for you, there's, there's some things I'm not going to do. There are some things that for some people, they can be around and they don't engage in sin. But for other people, just to get close to it, messes with them and the temptation's alluring. I think the, it's, it's wise of some men and some women to say, you know what, I'm not going to put something in bills, but here's one of the things that I do. Here's this is this is some personal legalism for me. I know guys, I know guys that it's all over the spectrum when it comes to money and movies and alcohol and all this stuff. And everybody gets all upset when you touch those things. And the, I believe that the answer is we say, all right, I'm not placing this on you based upon. There's one piece that's sin There are things that are not sin But we got, you know, every, every kind of strata in the middle Where we're trying to figure out how to live And it is okay to say, "All right, Well, I got some personal legalism that I set on myself And tell your buds about it Tell the fellas This is where I'm at I tell my staff You guys don't have to do this, but here's what I do Some of my staff comes back and say You guys don't have to do this, but this is what I do And that's good, that's helpful And so when it comes to money, let's not look at other people and start getting aggressive on them. Let's, as for me, as for my house, this is the way that I'm going to live. So, number one, thank God daily. Two, try to decrease the intake of American marketing in order to increase Christ. Increase Christ, consuming Christ-like stuff. Third one is this, gift. One of the quickest ways that your heart gets untangled to the knots of materialism is by giving away stuff. Your money, clothes, cars. I've known pastors that give away cars all the time. I love that. I just love that. I know there's lots of people that do it. I just got, when I was working on this sermon, I had thought of three different pastors that I know they just give cars away. That's cool. Because it just makes a statement. This isn't, this isn't, connected. I'm I, I I I'm gonna I'm gonna just give. One last story. My triplet sister Deborah uh, she goes to church here she works with Every Home for Christ and a few years ago she went um, she took a trip with YWAM they went to Bulgaria and they went to one of the poorest classes people groups in Bulgaria. So they were there, obviously you can imagine. She went with the YWAM base here in the Springs. Most of them come, you know, they're all, almost all, like 90% are from the States. And most of them come from homes, of American homes, have lots of stuff. When they arrived, they got there and it was a lot colder than they expected. And the, the, these, these, these Christian ladies of this tribe um, loved and welcomed them. And the girls... In the DTS uh, Their hands were cold And so they were, they were Talking about we should have brought gloves The next morning they awoke to The ladies in, Who had nothing Like I mean just had very little And we were these rich American Christians that had come to help them Had Taken the yarn out of their Sweaters And knit uh, Gloves for the girls on the DTS. My sister tells the story 10,000 times better than I do, but she talks about in that moment, watching how stuff had no hold on them and the delight to serve other Christian brothers and sisters that had come from America. And that's our call. Our call in this day, right now, we can get rid of some stuff. we can can live on less in order to give. So we're gonna do that as a church. The next two weeks, we're headed into this campaign. It's uh, called Freely Give and Freely Receive. And so if you, this was on your chair, but for the next two weeks on Saturday and Sunday of the next two weekends, we're gonna have big trucks right out here. And we're asking all of New Lifers to go through their houses and find stuff. On here, you'll find the things uh, that that, that are, are desired Things not to bring But we're going to do two things One, well three things One we're going to ask people just to get rid of stuff If you haven't used it in a year you don't need it <laughs> Get rid of some stuff We're going to put it in the trucks Nice stuff, you know the stuff that you can get rid of And then we're going to do two things with that We're going to open it up for people in the church That do need things They just need some stuff They've come across hard times or whatever washers dryers clothes furniture kitchen items sports gear just whatever we're in a difficult economic time and we're just going to open it up and we're going to let them have it people in the church that need stuff and then whatever is left we're going to take we've uh matthew Ayers, uh one of the pastors here is coordinating with different ministries across the city and we're going to make sure that that gets to poor people in our city that are needing those things right now and so Uh, that's a project that we're going to do as a church. And I think this is a simple way of just saying, okay, God, I want to make sure that this stuff has no hold on me. So I'm going to give. Be thankful, right? Be thankful, give, consume as little of the American consumerism stuff as possible in order to consume more of Christ. And we'll learn more and more as we go day after day the secret of being content in all things. Amen? Let's stand and pray together. Father, we do love you. God, we so want to be authentic Christ followers in 2010 in Colorado Springs. God, we don't want to fake Christianity. We don't want to do church life. We want to know Jesus. We want to be like Jesus. We want to live for Jesus. We want to expand your kingdom on the earth. We need your help. Holy Spirit, would you help us? Help us to not live in fear and hoard things. Help us not to live in want and consume things. But God, give us your grace and your strength to be content with whatever you've given us. You're a good father. You give good gifts. You've given gifts to all of us. May we find joy and delight in being content in all that you've given. Everybody said amen? Amen. amen.